Preventing Human Banter. Today, just to give you a heads up, we are recording this a week ahead of time. So if the story seems old, it's because I will be visiting my best friend and her baby next week. I also wanted to get out of the way. By the time this episode posts, both of you will have had birthdays. So happy birthday to you. I have not gotten you birthday presents yet. <laughs> I have an idea, Kate. It'll be late, but you know, I should preface it with we have no expendable income. So I'm gonna go for more memorable and meaningful than flashy. Okay. And seeing as mo- as all of our spouses could be looking for new careers soon. So Kate <laughs> had a birthday present show up here at our house today. So Somebody mailed it to us. Ooh. Well, I'm I'm here right now, so can I go get that? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, you have to talk. To Who's it from? You can't open it. I should tomorrow. open it on the pod. I should open it. Whoever it's from, I should open it's it. It's from Corinne. If it were like someone from California, then I would do it. Are they like, coming to gonna, your party? She's gonna be. Corinne here. will oh, okay. actually be here. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Corinne will be that's here. That's the only reason I'll wait. I'll that's wait till she's here. If it were from somebody else, they're coming tonight. Gonna be here anyway. Really late. They're gonna be here really late. And tomorrow they're not gonna be here at all. Yeah, somebody's getting married. Somebody's always getting married. Seems like it anymore. That is about half the reason they're back here most of the time. But to be fair, with like the people that she went to school with, they are about that age. Yes, we are that age. Which just tells me if you're always having to go to people's weddings, then that just means you just have too many friends. Can I ask you this? Talk about marriage. And then the next step is everybody's going to have babies. So like I'm going to visit my best friend and her baby. Cade? When either of the girls were born, did you take any time off work? Did I? Maybe, yeah. Uh, days, a few days. Right, which seems... Maybe a week. Fair, That's like a week. That most. seems normal. Because like, after that, if she really needed anything, to be fair, she didn't really, but Margie obviously was more than willing. Courtney's mother lives close by and was more than willing to help, but I don't think she really needed to. Yeah, that's like, I understand a little bit to help, and mostly to help your wife with it all because your wife is the one that really has to you know feed the baby and stuff like that well and especially then, for her Pete, she Mr. had a c-section, and the c-section. I mean, her, yes. yeah her, her lifting I, limits her lifting limits are less than the baby weighs because but i i ask this i know i know where cassie's going with this i asked this because pete Buttigieg took two months off for paternal leave and they didn't even notice because his job is Director of transportation is completely except for pointless. all those ships being yeah the up ships in the harbors. yeah Ooh, yeah I don't think that him being at work would have helped though I know to be and fair how do you he, decide which one is the maternal and which exactly one is the paternal? two months off and yeah he doesn't even have a wife to take care of nobody delivered the baby they're still trying to figure out how to breastfeed chest feed dad that's chest not feed. true chest that's feed. not true they have made prosthetics that men wear okay. that are basically. Wait. Milk bag bras. <laughs> Your taxpayer dollars paid for his two months of paternal leave <laughs> for the baby he did not bear. I'd like for it to pay for his eternal leave. <laughs> so anyway, that they they do have where fathers can do that. That's disturbing. But who? I mean, who else was going to take care of the tiny little baby? What's his husband do? Is he a teacher? Or? He's a mom. He's a stay-at-home mom. Stay-at-home mom, Mister Mom. Why do they make something like that? Why are they trying to turn the father into the mother? Why would you make a brawl that allows the manhood? Yeah, exactly. I don't care. Destroy the patriarchy. I don't care how much you want to preach it, write about it, proclaim it, teach seminars on it, whatever. Your mother would never be me because we're different. And you can't make us the same, no matter how hard you try. And that's just a genetic, physiological, temperamental, emotional thing. Yeah, everything. And that's why healthy families have a mother and a father. I heard a story read about this thing that said that having basically having a mom and dad is now family privilege. And this actually comes from, it was a seminar that was hosted by the National Council on Family Relations. This was back in May, and the title was Toward Dismantling Family Privilege and White Supremacy in Family Science. 
Yeah, and it's they so say, crazy that I actually would like, yeah, I was going to ask, actually read some of yes, it. Yes, they say family privilege is a structural mechanism hidden within our white supremacist society that creates systemic barriers to equal opportunity and justice for all families. In this webinar, attendees will examine, recognize, and learn how to dismantle the manifestations of family privilege in our social systems by using an intersectional framework developed by critical feminist and race scholars. Participants will be challenged to consider how structural forces create differential experiences and opportunities that produce diverse family constellations. Later on, it says beneficial to family scholars practitioners, and policymakers, attendees will leave with this, this webinar with the ability to, one, dismantle family privilege in family science scholarship, teaching, practice, and policymaking. Two, recognize family privilege and white supremacy in research, practitioner, and policy settings. And three, reduce the ways in which family privilege manifests in family science and in society. By the way, they're going to do all of this in an hour and a half. They're going to learn all that. Half. <laughs> the first thing I want to start off with is dismantling the manifestations of family privilege. Their go-to their go-to technique is to tear down people that they themselves see as doing a better job than them. So instead of they're all but admitting that the nuclear family comes with certain benefits. There are benefits. And so they are just going to tear those people down to their level because it's not it, it, it's equal outcomes well they say that the benefits are only the benefits that are instantiated in u.s laws policies and practices that's a quote and the, those are bestowed upon traditional family so the reason you have privileges is because it's in the law however i don't know maybe it's because we recognize the benefit of a traditional family, like when you look at the success rates of the children that come out of nuclear family, the incarceration rates, the education, and where they end up economically. Yeah, the article itself, without saying it, is, say, is saying there is a benefit to being in a family with a mother and father. And that's a different, I, I, that word benefit is the more appropriate word than privilege. They're not the same thing. That's why I didn't say privilege. Right. Having a, having a family is more beneficial. It's not a privilege. I have a couple uh, of thoughts on this. First of all, we have endless studies and statistics showing us that since the implement, implementation of the great society and the welfare state, the destruction it brought to the black families in every area that Cassidy you just named in education, in law, you know, in, in employment, in um, in criminality, on and on and on and on. It has and been that's because destructive. That's so by breaking up the family, it brought all this destruction. We we know this. It's it, it's demonstrated time and time again. So why do we want to do it? And the idea of it being in in law being kind of codified in law, giving families uh, a benefit. Let me ask you a question. What is the primary purpose of the tax code in this country? Is it to raise revenue or is it to social engineer? Yeah, it's controlling behavior. Yes, that is exactly what the primary purpose of the tax code is. It is to get people to do what the government wants them to do via the tax code. Certain tax cuts, like different ways. Yeah, they complain about they incentivize, the loopholes, they incentivize. but the loopholes control behavior. Right. So that is why we have things in law that are beneficial to families, because we recognize that families are beneficial to our society. Therefore, we want to encourage it. Therefore, we codify it in law. And that's what it should be. But now what, yes. I mean, what they did... What they did with the welfare state was essentially, whether it was tax breaks or, or money directly, was they monetarily encouraged fatherless having fatherless children. Yes. And people took advantage of that. I don't know if you can say advantage of that because there's no... The advantage of at, it is just money, but it's it ruins the kids. Right. You, the, you sacrificed your children for money. That's, the number of yeah. married African-American couples has plummeted their employment rates have plummeted education has plummeted there are more 
black babies aborted in New York than are born now. So the death rate in that race has skyrocketed. All these things are destructive. And it's and, and it's definitely and this, played a role. It's I mean, it's played a role even somewhere like here. And it's white people. It's white people, too. Yes. Now, unfortunately, a high percentage wise, it definitely hit black families a lot harder than and it was really just because they were more centralized within the bigger city sets. And I will admit the reason for that was probably because originally like, you know, lower income. And then right around the time that they started all of this, they just happened to, for the most part, be gathered together in city centers that were controlled by Democrat politicians. Well, talking about low income areas, there's a report from the Brookings Institute. It says they examine state level associations between family structure and economic mobility, child poverty, median family income, and economic growth. And they sum you can summarize the results in this quote: Do states with more families headed by married parents enjoy greater prosperity and give poor children a better shot at the American dream? The short answer: Yes. So basically, the results were that in low-income areas, a larger percentage of children succeeded in the low-income areas that had a larger percentage of married couples. So you benefit. Or two-parent families, right? Yeah, you benefit from it. And going back to the whole implementation of the Great Society, yes, it did primarily initially affect Black families because they were on the lower uh, end of the income scale. However, their income was on the rise and had been for several decades. So yeah, it hadn't caught up yet, but it was in the process of catching up until those policies were implemented. And then you just see it all fall apart. And yes, it's not just in the black community because I mean, I grew up in small Midwestern farm country. And when I left here in the late seventies, it was still a very you know married families. Uh, you did not see very many children being born uh, out of wedlock and being raised by single parents, it was it was the exception. So I'm gone, you know, from this area for 30 years or so, and I come back, and I was just aghast to see how many babies were on the hips of single moms, and it was being supported by their by grandpa and grandma, and it just was so common compared to where that was not the thing. It, you know, when I lived here 30 years earlier, and it it, had, it was just like. This has become the norm. So in 30 years, that incredible change, I was so disappointed to see that in my community because I knew it wasn't good for anybody. I remember talking about this quite some time ago with you. And you talked about how when we were seeing this young teen girls unmarried getting pregnant out of wedlock and it being not just, okay, we're going to support you, get through it, whatever, but almost celebrated by the families. And you just couldn't wrap your mind around it. And didn't you read a book about the poverty mindset? Yeah. And essentially the way that they just see any, but that's a relationship and the relationship is more valuable. Well, or it's even people are assets. Right. People are assets. And this was done by, uh, I think, the founder of Bridges Out of Poverty. And that's the way that they viewed people. So if you have a poverty mentality, you need those people because they support you. And there's some validity to that, supporting one another. But uh, not they actually it can be practiced to the point that you hold people back because you need them to uh, stay in your circle. They need them to stay local. You need them to stay in your socioeconomic class because they're to have that relationship with them because they are viewed as an asset. It's just I was having this discussion just a day or two ago for a different reason. Well, I think it was actually Wednesday night. I'm all for supporting a, a young woman who finds herself pregnant and not married. I'm all for supporting her and giving her the best opportunity for her and her child. We want to see them uh, be successful. We want to see them happy. We want to see them have uh, opportunities, all those things. But there's a point to where it crosses over. I want to, I want to support them and love them and encourage them, but I don't want to celebrate what this event, because it's not the best possible situation. And I don't want to celebrate it and glorify it because I'd rather see people do it in a way that I know that in the long term is going to be better for them. And that is within the context of a married relationship. That's the reason why the support from support that's given to them by the government is such a problem is that 
from the church is better. You get that support that you need. You get the aid, but it comes with instruction. I think that the, if a church is going to support someone like that, they also need to go to church there, and they need to be accountable to the church that is giving them aid. But when that aid comes from the government, it's not aid and instruction. It's aid and acceptance. Yeah, they see success as the more people on their whatever program it is, the more people that are on the program, that's greater success. From a Christian pastoral standpoint, the less people that need that, the more successful we are. You said from the government, it's acceptance. I want to kind of nitpick at that i think acceptance is we can accept them into the church right saying like yes you're welcome here acceptance isn't acceptance isn't affirmation i don't mean accepting them i I mean no you're affirming we can accept you the behavior is not not acceptable affirm and you need to teach that i'm 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 not talking about them personally we're not ousting them i'm saying acceptance of that behavior acceptance of it as the norm yes as being like the best Way to you're right. It might not it. even I mean, it, it might not even just be that it's accepted. It, it might be that it's celebrated. Um, right. We don't affirm it. The government in, yeah, in, single, in incentivizing it is affirming it. Yeah, because single yes, mothers is like a sign of is like a they want to talk about how it's like a signal of strength and everything now. And I mean, in some cases, it is. It, don't yeah, get me wrong. They, don't get do me wrong. Well, they are be, very strong. Very hard. It'd be yes. very hard to do. But which the, is why but, it's not the best prefer, thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Which is why it's not the best. The preferred method is to not do that. Sometimes we're forced into that. People die. Well, and, I have a line in my, um, when I do I mean, a you wedding. You make mistakes, but preferably you don't get yourself it, into that. It, it, when I do my wedding ceremony is that marriage gives us this opportunity because we divide and share life's inevitable sorrows. It makes it easier during those tough times. But the upside is, is that we get a double our, our happiness because we get to share it with somebody else. That's just the nature of marriage. I, I'm always struck by when God cre- created Eve for Adam, he says, I'm going to make a, ma- a woman who is suitable, a suitable helper for Adam. And I think about that. It, it's, it's not talking about this romance and all this kind of thing. It calls her a helper who is suitable for Adam. And I get from that, you know what? We all need help. Life is hard and we all need help. And God created for that purpose, uh, man and woman to support one another. And that's the foundation of marriage and the family and home life. I know that you guys used to talk or used to mention once in a while after being uh, around friends and homes or families or whatever, you would realize what a benefit it was. Even you guys as teenagers, you realize what a benefit it was to you to come home to a family with mom and dad. I didn't even need to necessarily be at those people's houses. I just hear them talk about, I would just, and, and in fact, I kind of didn't want to go and was also encouraged by my parents to not maybe go to those places, but just hearing them talk about what it was like at home. I, I just knew already. Well, what is one of the reasons that some of our friends in those situations always wanted to be at our house and with our family. One of them never and left. One of them is now a part of our family. Yeah, that's like I said, when it's a, and that's part of the inspiration for our podcast because they used to tell us that with all the fun that we had around here, they thought we should have our own reality series. Heavily edited. Yeah, well. For public consumption. Yeah, that's I'm not putting my family like that on television. I mean, it, you got to have the full context to understand it. We not have to be in control of, of humor. it. We have to be in control of it. Well, I also knew that you would become the star very quickly, and that would be really bad to have you in the spotlight. He's talking Maybe Cade. before. Maybe before. Yeah, okay. Back then, it would have be been really better bad. Now. Yes. I mean, Cade you, in high school a, uh, on a reality show, he would have yeah, played it up, bad. played the role so well. Yeah. You have a really. You would definitely like, be physically, missing a limb. Physically, you have a large melon, and uh, it would have been really large back then if uh, if you'd have been the star star of a TV show. Well, I mean, it wouldn't have physically grown. <laughs> yeah, the way that you set that up. Everybody knows what he means. My head wouldn't get like like bobblehead status. Oh, I don't know. What if they awesome. made a bobblehead of you? How would you feel about that? How ego inflating would that be if you actually had a bobblehead made of yourself? Well. There's a place most, you can order most one. bobbleheads are pretty exaggerated, but mine would be anatomically correct. I was in the Navy with a guy who legitimately looked like Fred Flintstone. His head was enormous. What'd you call him? 
Dave. <laughs> Actually, his nickname was Dewey. We also had another guy who legitimately looked like Bert on Bert and Ernie. Oh, his no. head kind of tapered up and there was just a little tuft of hair sitting on the top of it. But did you call him Bert? Yeah, we did. Okay. We called him Bert. Okay, good. Yeah. I was looking for somebody to have some kind of funny nickname. What'd you call him, Dave? Yeah, his name was Dewey. That's <laughs> what we called him. So yeah, so that's what it says on your coffee cup, on your coffee mug. He had Dewey? Like mine is, I like think probably, mine is Beeve, yeah. So did Bert was, have Bert that, on his coffee mug? Yeah, I probably. Oh, poor guy. I mean, he knew. It's not like it was a, it's not like it was a, a secret. Yeah. All you had to do was look in the mirror. And then you had on the airplane, they'd have, they'd have your nickname, you know, how you've seen it, like with the whole Maverick and all this kind of stuff, you know, from Top Gun. The real question is, did he have an Ernie? Well, we didn't have an Ernie. We had an Al the Janitor or Tackleberry, then depending on who. Same guy. Without an Ernie. Yeah, I don't know. Just a grumpy yellow guy. Did you ever have a, do you ever see the movie Police Academy? No. Oh. I know what it is. But there's I know a there's a guy that just makes it. sounds. There's a cat, there's a character in it named Tackleberry. He's like super gung-ho. He's the kind of guy, you know, that like would throw, throw himself on a grenade just to win a Medal of Honor or something. I feel like you people know. are going to rip us for not I mean, having seen this, for not having seen that movie. But is it a movie you, you would have allowed us to watch? Yeah, that's the thing is. I mean, not then now i mean it's not well it's not something i would have been allowed to watch no. as a kid and it's not something i've chosen to watch as an adult since then yes yeah Bubba jones is in it all He's the older stuff i've seen was stuff big. that we were not only allowed but encouraged to watch that's good stuff and it was good and it was it's good stuff but that's probably not one that you just i'm said, telling hey, you though, now watch now, that this. You're, now that you're watching uh cowboy movies you definitely got to watch shane man andrew clavin sure loves that movie it's a great movie it is a great, great movie. When you see that kid at the end, you will it'll bring a tear to a glass eye. I'm not going to give any more of it away. All right. Should we move to Loudoun County? I suppose so. Didn't what did okay? We talked about Loudoun County a little bit because I said that I can't talk about it. Well, now this is something so different, though. In the episode that. I'm posting today. We discussed just the situation that the father that had been kind of the staple of the one used as why they're now calling parents domestic terrorists in these situations. Only the dissenting parents, though. He actually was upset because what we didn't know was his daughter was sexually assaulted in the bathroom by a boy in a skirt and they were covering it up. And so there's been outrage about this since it's come out naturally. And also, I think opening people's eyes to not just that this isn't a one-time thing, just different incidents of different levels of sexual assault being covered up and not only in Loudoun County, but other schools. But now one of the school board members resigned on Facebook and the um, superintendent released an apology. Do you remember? When one of Austin's friends made national news when his yes. professor was ripping, yes. you know his his defense of law enforcement. He's running for like city council, and he's still he really? active. Mm-hmm. I wanted, I, I wished I so badly would have had the opportunity to ask that college professor when that was happening. Oh, so then we should also then get rid of the educators because studies show that educators sexually abuse up to. F- Four million students a year. So this is, is that not in America. An, in America, yes, in America, some form of abuse. Right. I'm not talking about like this young woman who, I, I want to say we don't. It's alleged the rape is alleged. The fact that she had had intercourse and even vaginal and anal because she claimed sodomy. That's been proven by medical examination. That that's not a question. That did happen. Now, whether he's the one that did it and he, and he did it via rape, that is obviously a legal question yet to be determined. But here's the thing about this that bothers me so much. It's not a new thing. It's been going on for decades, okay? And it, we don't hear about it. So that's obviously very angering. But the, the thing that I keep 
going back to, and my wife is a, a 30 plus year teacher and my sister-in-law who's visiting currently just retired from 40 years of teaching in LA Unified. And I asked them this question. I wanted to make sure it is required. It is mandatory to report. If you are a school administrator or teacher or staff, it is mandatory to report. You cannot not report or you will be in legal trouble if you don't report and they and it's not a local thing this is a federal thing and they didn't report they wanted him they wanted to handle it in-house he should have immediately walked out of the door and went to the legal authorities to a lawyer whoever and found out the best way to do that and report it because they need to be held legally responsible they need to they need to pay a price not just resign and then he and that was just a school board member the superintendent hasn't resigned then they sent right. that student to another school and supposedly there's another incident, alleged incident that occurred, but the superintendent. So I think a big issue and the, the evidence that they're covering it up, they're just not admitting is that back in June at an event, they said that the district had no record of assaults taking place in the bathrooms. And in his apology, he has apologized for saying that, meaning that he is now admitting well, he, that they he did asked and it, that they he asked it as a question. And the school board member that resigned is the woman who answered and said no, that they had not had any incidents okay. of that kind. Well the so Fox she's News, the one that resigned. Well, the Fox News story said he apologized for saying that in the event. And then he also said, this is a quote from his apology. Sorry that we failed to provide the safe, welcoming, and affirming environment that we aspired to provide. We acknowledge and share in your pain, and we will continue to offer support to help you and your families through this trauma. Well, the incident occurred on May 28th. That school board meeting was June 22nd. So you're talking about three plus weeks. You can't tell me the superintendent didn't know. I don't care what his apology is. When that father stood in that school office, I believe it's Stonebridge is the name of it. When he stood in that office and said that he wanted it to be reported to the law authorities, and they said, we're going to handle it in-house. At that moment, you became guilty. You're guilty. I don't care what the apology is now five months later. You refused to report when you knew there was a credible accusation of the incident, and that's illegal. Well, the sheriff's office said that they, they confirmed that an on-campus sexual assault was reported on the day that the daughter said she was victimized. Right. So, and so then I, I believe the, the school the, system said that they didn't perform an in-house investigation until the legal authorities investigation was completed. So it's possible that at that meeting, they didn't have an investigation going in-house, but they had record of the incident and there was an investigation going on by the sheriff's department. As soon as there was a credible accusation made, they needed to contact authorities. End of story. That, that is the requirement. And they didn't do that. And also, I think she went to the hospital and yes, they did a rape kit. And that's when they confirmed that at the very least, there was evidence of it. So it may have been the hospital that started the investigation, not the school. I don't you, we don't know that the school is who initiated the investigation. Yes, and my understanding is that the school not, that's the problem. It was not the school. Then the hospital did or, or the or the father, whoever. And that's the problem. That's the problem that he's talking about. The um, study, I believe it goes back to even to 2004 study where up to possibly, depending on how you crunch the numbers, as many as 4 million students being sexually uh, abused. That states that one in 10 students say they have had teachers act sexually inappropriate towards them. One in 10. Body cams. So, so if you have one in 10, that means this is prevalent. No wonder schools don't want to act on it because they've got a bunch of the people that work in them are a bunch of degenerates. Well, we've seen that from like accounts on Twitter, like libs of TikTok. How many of them are teachers? And they are just absolute radicals. I like that the board member in her resignation that she said, this was not an easy decision or a decision made in haste. After much thought and careful consideration, it is the right decision for me and my family. I think it's the right decision for the children of your county. I think it's the right decision for her because quite honestly, she's she's concerned about all this going on and she's bailing. She's punching out. She goes, I I'm getting out of this, this craziness. I, I don't want this. I try to look up your 
statement, Dad. I see from the CDC, it says approximately 3.7 million children experience sexual abuse each year in the United States, but it doesn't specify that's not by teachers. That's no, that's just overall. But no, the other the other aspect of that, what I was reading was um, one in 10 students saying they had been sexually inappropriate action you know, towards them by by a teacher. And I I've I'd read a number of articles on it, so I don't know that it's in the same article. I might have found. Something. Yeah. OK, so I'm looking at right now. The Aquila report is what I cry. A, a crisis as millions of students abused by teachers. Found it. And it does say it does say something about a study uh, conducted in 2004 by the U.S. Education Department estimated that one in 10 students will be sexually abused by a teacher during their years in school. And then it reiterates one. In That's 10. insane. Yeah. Send, it says the, the alarming answer is probably millions. So uh, it's I an found... epidemic, and I've also seen some other stories that says that uh, abuse by teachers is on the rise. Can I, have... I also just point out that that is that's that's those that number is way higher than the abuse going on that people complain about in the Catholic Church. Yes, it is. I so I have a report by it's the Aquila report, and it says of children in eighth through eleventh grade, about three point five million students surveyed reported having had physical sexual contact from an adult, most often a teacher or coach. But these that's educators want three point five of- million, and that's only eighth through eleventh grade. But these these educators want to get rid of the defund police because they've killed 19 unarmed people. 4.5 million children, which is 10 percent. This increases to 4.5 when you add in other types of misconduct, including being shown pornography or being subjected to sexually explicit language or exhibitionism. That's horrifying. Yeah, the public school system just needs to be bulldozed under. And and you know what they're going to do? They are already hinting at and doing things trying to move in the direction to make it more difficult for your child to not go to public school they're going to come down on with more restrictions and regulations for anybody that wants to homeschool or private school to force people into to stay in public schools because that was what was the number like 1.4 million kids left public school during yeah the, and they're going to yeah. and th- and that makes them they're going to come for them. They're going to try to come up with some type of policy that makes that even more difficult. How long until the saying from my cold, dead hands is how long till that's going to refer to our children? Yeah, but, it, but you're right. And, and what I'm saying is, is the public school system needs to be bulldozed under. And yet they're they're working to make it your only option. I've known just monetarily wise that, I mean, the education system is is so corrupt that there there really is not any fixing it but you add this in on top of it abuse and all the spending and it's just wasteful but yeah add this in and it's just there's no going back other than to get rid of it completely can't i've been make, thinking about can't make this, it good again right one of the biggest things that, and it, it's not going to happen but if you really wanted to change all this if everybody would just stop sending them our tax money they wouldn't be able to do anything. They, they wouldn't have any money to do it, to do this nonsense because all this comes, all of this comes from our tax money in one form or another. They, all would, these just crazy print mil- they would just, they would just mint more platinum coins. They don't need your tax money. Two trillion, make, two, make, two trillion yeah. dollar coins. Yeah. Well, I think we should go dollar platinum coin to make up for your tax dollars. Then all of us normal American citizens should just come up with our own currency. We could just start, going to the SpongeBob method and writing it on driftwood and stuff like that and passing it around. Monopoly money. Let's make it real. Again, a, mon- a money is whatever we decide that, it, it, that we're going to barter it. That's all it is because there is nothing backing it up. That's why, again, that's why cryptocurrency works because a big enough group of people have agreed that this is what the system we're going to work on is. You guys look, <laughs> you look depressed. I am. I don't know where to go from here, and I have to not talk too much because the only thing that I want to say is threats. I know. I know. Don't do that. And I don't well, want it to be on public record. Well, once I start my own airline and start to compete with United nope. and all these companies, then mom will be able to pull out you and it. teach yeah. your kids at home. I said, you have to I'll cut that because group our children to- and pod, teach them in a pod. Speaking of airplane, I think I just heard one crash. No, I live in the landing pattern for the Reno airport. Okay, I think I just I just heard one crash.
well, from your through your screen. That one just did a low approach over your house. That, that was, was like, not that normal. Was, that, was that was like was us screaming. going over. That was like us going over McDonald's in Lordsburg. <laughs> there are some military planes that sometimes come through pretty low because there's a Air Force detachment. Was I the only one that noticed that when we went over the McDonald's, I could actually see the individual grains of sand or whatever on top of the. Maybe we should explain this situation. So when we moved to Ohio, the first summer after we moved to Ohio from California, we flew in a small four-seater single-engine propeller plane to California. What is your two? The second summer. This It was? Right. Summer of 06. Okay. Summer of 06. Okay. So because we were going to stay for a very long time. And... We had a lot of luggage for that reason, and it was very hot. And we had we and Lordsburg landed. Is over we had to stop. Feet. We had to stop every couple hours because there's no bathroom, and we were young and probably just annoying. So anyway, we landed in this place called Lordsburg, New Mexico, and it is tiny and it is really hot. And we joked that it was called Lordsburg because it was so hot. The devil left town. People may not understand that. You don't get as much lift. Yes, when I'm it's getting. Hot. So when we were trying to take off, the altitude that because the air pressure matters, that altitude, the heat affects the air pressure, and then the weight of the plane all meant that we had not a great amount of lift. And at the end of the runway, but we had enough. Yes, at the end of the runway, it was a McDonald's, and we barely cleared those McDonald's arches. Do you think well, their the insurance reason, is really high? The reason the that the reason that we barely cleared is because once we took off, the landing gear wouldn't right go because up. the landing gear was down. So we also so we had, created so, extra drag. Right, people. If you don't understand, having your landing gear not retract is like having three boat anchors hanging out. So and then an alarm started getting, going off. And then an alarm started going off, and mom said, "What do we do?" And dad, I think half to shut her up, just said, "But half mostly shut her up." Just said pray i thought we were gonna die i flew home commercial we have to call trip so he radios down to the guy there's one man in this tiny airport and this man was this old man on oxygen on a tube that went back he had a really long tube and it was basically a room full of tanks where he could just switch the tank he didn't have one that he wheeled around so it was connected to like a large supply of oxygen and he also was chain smoking so we were just waiting for him to blow himself up anyway my dad, dad radios down to him and says, hey, I have this, my gear, it says it's not going up, but I'm going to fly around. Will you tell us if it's up or down? Like, I don't know if it got stuck up or stuck down. And he says, it looks like it's down. So we kind of had to cross our fingers and hope it was locked and land. And then we got and stuck there. Then we got stuck there overnight and I had the best courtesy car ever he gave us. I had one airplane. I used the emergency gear extension on it like five a, times. before. That was I... a joke about the courtesy car. Airplane. Yeah. Yeah, the, the courtesy car was, was ceiling was falling down. Junk. You were had, like, like the, the, the window was the window was stuck a down. A push button starter. The window was stuck down, and there was like a dust storm. So we were ducking. No, I don't think the window was stuck. I don't think the window was stuck down. Was so I think hot. it was that it was it was so hot and a dust storm. So you had to choose between roasting with the windows up or having like a like a sandstorm hit you. Dad could like the windows shake down. the steering wheel back and forth. Yeah, it actually moved around. Yeah. <laughs> But was it was it in Lordsburg where but they I was all, kept I, thinking Caden was yes, a girl? Yes, that was a Denny's across from the because he had long hair at the time. It was a Denny's across from the hotel. I was just excited because the hotel had a pool. No, that was where okay. We, there was a really nice hotel that. That's we where we to, had to go after. But that to get was, the plane that was after Arizona. to get the plane fixed. Or yeah, the only place at. was like we this got resort. Put in a nice hotel. Yeah, and that's when we walked in the lobby and little Cassidy looks at the person behind the desk and they're like, "How many stars is this hotel?" I've never been nice. in such a Chandler, nice Arizona. hotel. Chandler, Arizona. Oh, this was, is a nice hotel. How many stars is and then this? I it was so up, hot in Chandler, Arizona. Then I threw that threw up we, all over the bathroom. Yeah. Floor. But it was so hot in Chandler, Arizona, that when we landed there about 730 in the morning or something, even the commercial traffic couldn't take off because it was so hot. We were complaining and mom just kept going, it's a dry heat. It's a but trying to get us to shut up. But it's a dry heat. We're like, so is fire. So it's 115 or 20. It's it's still hot. I don't care how dry it is. Yep, making memories. Oh yeah, and then I loved it on the way home. I had the whole backseat to myself because Cade. I really, I wasn't joking. I did fly home commercial. Home commercial. I thought we were gonna die. 
I just look at it as if I end up dead. I don't have to worry about any of this stuff That's what anymore. We, we got because of a thunderstorm on the way home. We got to tour the capital yeah. of Missouri. Missouri. We had all these really cool experiences because of you getting your pilot's license and having a little plane. It was cool. I like it. You get the famous hundred dollar hamburger, they say. Right. I'm thinking about flying somewhere Monday for my birthday. I was thinking about flying ah. to Port Clinton for lunch to treat myself on my birthday to the. You're going to take mom with you? The, you're just going to go call the, tin, the Tin Goose. Oh, it should work. You're just going to go alone? Yeah. Port Clinton, Cleveland. No, it's more like put in, put in Bay. Oh. It's like straight north of where we're at. Isn't that like a really difficult runway to land on? No. Or is that just put, put in, in Bay? Put in Bay is, but not yard. Port Clinton. But yeah. It's no worse than uh, whatever. What is that called? Green Valley, Kentucky, or something like that. That's on the side of a hill. Or, well, remember, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it San Inez uh, in California where it was actually really easy to take off because once you got to the end of the runway, there was a windmill farm creating like a bunch of lift, and when you got yeah, over the um, top, you could just feel yourself go woo. Um, Tehachapi. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah. That's where they yeah, did big- the gliders. Yeah, they had like the world record for the longest glider flight yeah. was from there. But yeah, at the end of the runway, there's just a big, massive windmill, windmill farm. And when you take off and you get above it, you can just feel yourself go whoop. And just... Well, that happened to me when I landed on Catalina. Well, he didn't tell me till later that it's one of the most like it isn't one of the very dangerous runways. He didn't, he didn't tell me till after I'd already landed and taken off there, which that was cool. So on the takeoff, he tells me to do a, a low takeoff where you. You lift off and then you stay low to the runway until later. So you aren't going down the runway because it it was kind of broken. So you would do this if the runway is kind of rough and broken up, but you still need to build up speed. So you just lift off enough to where you're just you're off the runway. You stay in what's called ground effect and you yeah. build up speed. And then so then so then climb. I'm going. So he tells me to do that, but not necessarily for that for the reason of the runway. But he just wanted me to experience at the end. <laughs> so I stay low and I don't pull back, you know, until towards the end. And it basically the end of the runway just drops off a huge drop off of a cliff. And so as soon as you hit it, the air that hits the cliff and comes up, hits you and you just go whoop. So we gained like, I don't know how many feet in an instant. It was a, it was a trip. If you ever get a chance, watch, there's a show out there called the 10 most difficult airports in the world. And I've the final seen, one I've actually is, seen that. The final is like on crazy. the side of a mountain in like the Himalayas or something. You get one chance to land, you're landing over you're coming like it's just a cliff at the end of the runway so you come in over that part where and you land on it and it's kind of it's uphill and there's a there's mountain basically at the other end of the runway so you you have to land and you have to stop that you get one shot whoever designed that run whoever designed that airport everyone deserves a second chance except for these guys (laughs) yeah and when you take off you take off over the edge of a cliff no that's the only way to do it over the edge of a cliff yeah, just airdrop stuff in and out. Yeah, I don't know how don't you get people land. out. You yeah. do that balloon thing. You do that balloon, that weather balloon thing with the hook where the AC-130 comes oh, and the hook yeah. catches it and it just rips yeah. the people off the ground. Yeah. You do that. Yeah, well, I, I don't have that beat, but, you know, taking off and on an aircraft carrier is pretty, pretty high up there. Did you At ever get, you get have second the, wrong, chances. the wrong setting for coming in to land on the hook? No, I have seen or heard guys talk about um, if you like having an A7 land when it was set for like an F4 back in the old days and it just, get whiplash. there's no, there's no rollout. You don't, you know, normally you get a little bit, a little bit of a rollout, but it's just a dead stop because it's such a heavier airplane than what, like an A7 and it like dislocated the pilot's shoulders in, in, in the harness. I never, I never thought it about that. You'd such have of to, a dead stop. You'd have to do like different tension settings. Yes. Exactly. On the wire you, so to hit you the hook them, so a heavier plane. You give them your final tighten. weight. Yeah. You give, when, you, you call, when you call the ball, meaning that's the, your glide slope and center line. When you call the ball, you give them, they know what, you know, the type of aircraft you confirm this is an S3 and you give them your weight. I never you know, thought about that. That makes sense. You know sense. the weight of the airplane and you know how much fuel you got you left. You really measure, mess up a little plane right. if you have the weight. Well, or they measure, high. I measure fuel in gallons. If you have it set too low, you'd go off the end of right. the Right, go off the yeah. end. Yeah, you go off it the end. It could just be dangling there, <laughs> dangling there on the cable. I'd the be more scared to be in a lighter plane. Well, I think I'd be more scared to be in a lighter plane. Yeah, and just get stopped on like a perfectly rigid line, basically. If you went into the water, you The story I was told was... um that not only did it dislocate the pilot's shoulders, but it, where it says like, you know, say Navy on the side of the airplane, it actually kind of said Navy. It actually stretched the skin. Yeah, that seems more scary. 
to me. That have you ever, what about out. have you ever seen anyone get shot off with the wrong tension? I've seen cold cat shots because again, you give them they know the kind of airplane and you give them your they hold a board up, at least it was back when I was, they, the final thing, final checker would hold a board up and it had a number on it. And that was your weight. That was your launch. That would weight. seem harder to mess for, up. For us, it was, for us, it was, was always around 46,000 pounds. But what normally would happen is not that it's not that the rate was wrong, just, but for some other reason, you get a cold, you don't, it, it's oh, a steam piston. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, do they like adjust the level to of steam? a steam piston? And it just drags you down the, the flight deck and launches you off at full power on your. So if they get a cold shot, meaning they, for whatever reason, they didn't get enough pressure, then you just kind of dribble down. And I've seen videos of that where guys are just, and you can't stop it. It's, it's going to drag you down the flight deck, but it's not enough to launch you. And about two thirds, three quarters of the way down, you just see the seats go poof and they eject because they know they're, they're not going to fly. There's, there's no doubt about this. We might as well just get out millions now. of dollars. And then and the airplane just goes the... off the end into the ocean. Yeah. And then they run it over. Yeah. Basically. yeah and then they leave it there. That's <laughs> With another all thing. The trash is, bags that you were throwing off the. And the you're better mattresses. off. You're better off to eject at while you're still on the cat, because chances are the ship is going to be by, past you before you came down rather than wow. getting off the, in front of the ship and ejecting. Launching and, and then landing on the ship yeah. or in front of the ship. Landing yeah, on no, the ship. I've seen over. guys land on the ship before and he can get really banged up or landing in, in the water in front of the ship. They have a parachute. They, they, you, the they don't shoot you that high, though. When you, when you shoot off like an ejection seat, you're going to blast off. You're going to get about a half a swing in the chute before you hit the ground and you're so launching you're, 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 from the it's not like not you, from the air from the ship yeah, so yeah it's, you're not going it's right. not like oh, i guess it's yeah, not like not parachuting from a tree for, from an airplane at a couple thousand feet literally you get uh, maybe you know if you're on the ground you get like a half to ha a swing in the chute and you're hitting the ground and that's well that's just if you have to do it there like if you were flying right. over if, like if a navy plane was flying over land and they ejected you're higher up so yeah, yeah 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 that's not they're made to eject what they call zero, zero seats that you could eject on the ground at zero you know, knots, and it would give you enough of a cushion that it wouldn't kill you when you hit the Not ground. Not kill you. But that doesn't mean it, but that doesn't mean it's gentle. Yeah. I mean, I, we had squadron mates that ejected really low. You have like strobes on? When you go in the water, there's a, a salt water activated strobe. The fact that you're in salt water, it eats out a little plug. And that allows the connection to be made. Because I would just not want to land. It'd be a bummer ocean. if you were over the land and then you landed in a big lake, a freshwater lake. Yeah. The guys I saw, though, they ejected like that. They, The best way I can describe them is they were one large bruise and sprain from head to toe. It, it's just pretty crazy. What happens if a Navy, Navy pilot ejects over like over like a freshwater, like a huge freshwater lake? Well, you're, you you could turn you could you activate like the strobe yourself. Carry, like carry right? like a little like a little but, paper packet of like table and salt. salt and like put it activate, right on the, put it right onto the <laughs> sensor. And be like turn on, turn no, on. You could you could get it it'll just manually. But the idea is that you go in the water. There's a really good chance you're going to be unconscious, and that's why you have the salt water activated strobe. I recommended carry table salt before I thought of because what a physical button on it because you also so have your life vest is inflated automatically too so you could go in the water unconscious and you would float and your strobe would act inflates automatically your, like the ones on the planes that they tell you under your seat where you can blow into the if it doesn't work you, you don't have to pull it it's a part of it's a part oh, of yeah, the ejection process right. on a plane you pull the thing and i believe there's a you're also going to have a transponder that's going to go off on the on the guard frequency that they'll be able to pick up and hone in on you but then there were places where we flew zero, over zero. water. We're flying over, uh, you know, three, 400 miles to the ship. And the water is so cold that even with all of your survival gear, if you go in it, you're going to last about 10 minutes. You're going to be dead before they ever, <laughs> before they ever get to you. And my always thought was, well, then why am I wearing all this dry suit? Yeah. And, and longer? I'd rather just be dead in like two minutes rather well, than in, okay. five, in 10 minutes. Better than that. How about like a GPS smart thing where it, so it knows where you're going to land and it just does no safety precautions at That's all. You're land in the frigid water. It yeah. just injects oh, you yeah. cyanide. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, oh, this guy's, oh, this guy's gonna die anyway. And so, yeah, your seat just like injects you, so you just purposefully die. Well, then. the idea is that if you have enough, if you're conscious and you have enough physical strength that you get yourself into your life raft and out of the water, 
before you die. Is there a so heater may, in it? No. Then you're going to die. But, but yeah, you probably are. You, but you're going to die a lot faster in the water. It is draining the heat out of your body much faster. That sounds awful. Does it change it from 10 minutes to 20 minutes? I don't know. Because I don't think they're going to find you in 20 I minutes either. crunching the numbers after some point. There's not. <laughs> Yeah, it's just not, not worth it. Good. There's also there's all there's, there's also, also a, there's also a little compartment with open it up and there's a gun with one bullet. There's also um <laughs> there's also uh the flying around Diego Garcia where you could actually look out your window and see sharks circling in the water below you and you're just thinking, Oh god, don't let me eject here. I don't know, maybe you're better off just stay in the ship and or I mean stay in the plane and hope that you die on impact or something. Yeah, yeah, I'll write it in. I thought you were going to say, just, just, just be a boiler tech and just never go far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, you just, maybe you just don't get on the plane. <laughs> those guys, those guys, they call them snipes, engineer, guys that work in the engineering department on the ship, and they like their head pops up out of a hole every once in a while, and they look all oh, white Oh, my gosh. Pasty. I would, in your free time, like when you're off hours, I would have to be, uh, can you go on deck or is it limited? access yeah you can go up on the flight deck if my you're goodness not yeah if you're stuck under that's why i would never get on a submarine not just the idea of being stuck in a pressurized capsule underwater but ne- not being able to see the sun for months yeah the engineers they um yeah they call them snipes and they work 12 hour shifts and so if you work during the day you really never see the sun if you stay inside the hull of the ship even a carrier for a couple of days you can lose track of what time it really is and what you think it looks like outside because their time system of bells repeats every four hours there's eight bells and then they start over and there's one bell for every half hour so you don't know whether it's midnight 4 a.m 8 a.m noon 4 p.m and so on and so forth just by by listening to the bells unless you tell time some other way my favorite thing, though, was when they would do taps at night, they would have the ship's chaplain would come on and say, of course, this is all for because nothing changes. It's just functioning 24 hours a day anyways. But that's just the set time. You know, they do Reveille, I think, at 6 a.m. and taps at 10 or something like that. But then the chaplain would come on and he was Filipino. And it took me a couple of months before I realized what he was saying. Every night he'd pray about God's oily porpoise. And I, I thought. I know this is a Navy, but that still doesn't make any sense. I don't, God's oily porpoise. And finally it dawned on me, he was saying holy purpose. But yeah, for a couple of months, I thought it was oily porpoise. Well, that was fun. This is going downhill quick. No, so thank you. I feel for like we should prepare to eject from this I think, podcast. Oh. <laughs> prepare to eject. <laughs>